Hello and welcome to today's podcast. I'm Jonathan Myers and I'm the author of the All Things in the Middle blog. I'm joined here today with a couple of friends of mine. Uh, first to introduce myself is Pat. Hi, I'm Pat. Um, I'm a retired former civil servant. The main trust in my life is my relationship with Jesus. Hi, I'm Damien. I'm in my very late 40s. I'm from Liverpool in England. And my interests are very much around the field of travel, politics, personal development, and my work is very much about mental health. So I absolutely love all of those issues. And you'll hear more from me about those throughout this and my own blog. I don't know, I'm Alan. Um, I've known Jonathan, I think, from, uh, I don't know, from our, our time together working in the community sector um, around youth, youth work and that. So working in the community sector is something I've really learned a lot and enjoyed. And, uh, and there's, there's so many elements of that that I'm just really interested in getting into the meat of. And as Jono says, all things in the middle. Hi, my name is Joshua and I am from Dublin, Ireland. I have an extensive background in creative, multimedia, social media, and visual merchandising, along with design, wide range of interests, and I believe I bring a creative spark to this podcast. In today's podcast, we'll discuss the Irish government's five-phase plan to get Ireland's economy back to work by the middle of August, and the latest from around the world. So I suppose we could just kick it off. Uh, hopefully everyone has seen the phase plan. I, I, I know, Alan, we've talked about this in advance of today's podcast, um, and I'm sure a couple of other people have had a chance to look at it. The idea is that by August, most things, or at least everything, will be basically open to some degree. Alan, just to revert back to the conversation we had earlier today or yesterday, when you read about it, took you on a roller coaster journey over the weekend. Yeah, I think, look, there's two things. One is uh, I, I saw Leo on the Late Late and like he presented it really well. And um, look, to see the roadmap was great to have some sort of a plan that there's a way out of this and that. In one way, it feels, you know, we're all, we're all aware that this thing could go belly up, that you could have a second wave, third wave, whatever. And actually, this may not work. On the, the underlying thought, I think, for all of us is we realize that the whole thing may not work. But of course, you need to have a roadmap. And of course, we need to plan for something. The other part, aspect of that was when I, I heard it, I had a strange reaction that day and on the Friday and the next day and over the weekend, really, of just, just being slightly depressed, really, around it. And I think, for me, anyway, my own personal reflection was really, the, I realized the first part of this, the last seven weeks or whatever it was, since we've been um, in lockdown, probably or some extent since uh, the week before St. Patrick's Week, was is that I just I think there's maybe there was a novelty about it or there was a sense of we're all in this together or it's a new experience and you know we all have to get 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 together and get behind one another and I think when I heard on Friday that this could go on for months particularly for people who are more have to remain more isolated because my own situation I lived with um, a parent who's you know in the high risk category and, and that sort of thing and, and my own actions could impact on her and stuff so I think all of that show to, to me kind of sent a signal that this is going to go on for a lot of months for more for me in terms of working from home and aspects like that and it just seems a little bit <laughs> a bit endless and if it goes belly up sure it's going to go even longer so i suppose it triggered something in me that i was surprised at but also a realization that really the novelty is over you know the newness of this is over and this is something we're going to have to live with from time i've known that mentally i think we've all known that mentally but i do know that talking to one or two other friends outside of this at the same had the same reaction of of that of just 
just feeling surprisingly down after this uh, after that announcement on Friday. I I felt very similar after the announcement on Friday, um, having done you know five weeks you know lockdown and two weeks social distancing before that. I felt uh, the amount of freedom that was available was very limited. Um, I also felt it seemed endless, like the, the phases ahead seem endless uh, and uh, still very limiting that there's no real end in sight. So while I thought I would like to have, you know, deliverables and set dates and all that ahead of me, when I actually was faced with it, I realised I felt, yeah, I felt as if there was no reward for all the effort that had been put yeah. in. And I felt quite down over the weekend as well. Yeah, I have to say, I think you're coming about I feel like there's no reward. It's been dragged out to August, which is just absolutely like it's such an incredible long time to kind of get back to normality. I think I was the same. I was thinking like like all the work I've done, I've literally stayed in this apartment since March 23. I haven't left. I don't feel like all that work has paid off at all. And maybe I don't know why. Maybe it's because other people haven't done the same. And if kind of the numbers have increased ever since that day, they're starting to go back down now. I think look at today's numbers; they're down around the late March numbers again, which is obviously good. Hopefully, it's a bit sooner. But I felt the same. I felt frustrated. I felt annoyed that it just didn't. And the work I done didn't pay off, as if it was all up to me to do it. But it really wasn't. You know, I suppose you have to realise there's nearly five million other people who have to contribute to that work effort as well, and something hasn't worked in it to prolong it this long. And now to August, it's just incredibly frustrating. Um, again, the measurables you asked for last time, you've got them and they're awful to look at. Like by the time, like middle of August is when we're expecting things to be open fully. Like that's like, it's just too long. It's just not good. The economy is going to suffer greatly and so many people are going to suffer in that time frame, especially low wage workers who mostly work face-to-face jobs. And I just don't know if the government have really considered that. Josh, how about yourself? What do you think about this? Like, I suppose you were let go from your job. What the onset of this, or just around mid end of March? Is that right? Or I finished work the thirteenth of March. Um, and to be honest, I actually have a very different view of it. While I know it is going to be a long journey, for me, it kind of gives me hope. So like for me, it's, it's kind of that I'm working up towards something and it's quite funny in a way as well because I see that the end is coming and I know things will get back to normal even if it does take a little bit longer than they, that, than they had hoped. It's kind of got me into gear into, okay, well, I'm lucky in a way I have all this free time now. So like even today, today was the first day that you could go a bit further distance when you're exercising and I've decided to make the most of that. So it's really kind of kicked me into gear to the point that I'm like, I am very lucky to have this time. And now that I know that it is coming to an end soon, I'm going to make the most of it. Like I was discussing it with some of my colleagues and we were saying, maybe the end of May, the start of June, I should be back in work. And I'm like, well, I've got two or three, three or four weeks max time left to kind of like focus on myself. Like I know a lot of people who are working from home, like I know my brother-in-law and so on, they're not forecasted to be back into the office till late September. So for me, it's just very much like I'm embracing it. Um, and it's nice to see that there is hope. And if we can all stick to the guidelines, then we'll just follow this plan thoroughly, if that makes sense. I think you're right. I think if we stick to the guidelines as, well, I mean, if you look at the numbers now, they've only really started to go down slower because of the heavy restrictions. So if we start lifting it, I suppose the word is what Alan talked about, is the second wave and the third wave. 
but at the same time we just can't stay in lockdown forever it's just impossible and the thing is you know a lot of companies are going to go out of business do you think like when do you think you, your employer might be back up and running because i know obviously working with the public kind of restricts you a lot to that and all your colleagues as well it does and it doesn't so i actually my comp the company i work for has slowly started to open up as it is so they have done they have a restaurant as well so they now do takeouts. They've also started to do um, online shopping. Now they do have a different company that does deliveries and all. So they are slowly hoping to kind of get back up and running. And with the whole social distancing thing in itself, we are not in a store like Arnett or a massive store where you kind of can't control the numbers. Ours is a singular store on its own. So we can control who comes in and who comes out. We can shut the doors for an hour every day if need be to disinfect everything and then open them again if you know and it, it is sad in a way because this is going to be the new normal there will always be a possibility of a second or third or fourth or fifth wave but i think if people do follow the guidelines and stick with the hand washing and possibly keeping the social distancing and all and i think that is something that will keep us on track and keep us like getting over the whole situation and damien i know you i know the uk don't have such a plan um have you had a chance to have a look at it and what do you think about it well, well, yeah, I mean, our plan is coming, we're, we're told we're going to get some insight into what that plan will look like this Sunday, this coming Sunday. I've looked at your plan, the five phases of your plan. I think it's very clear. I think it's really well set out. I don't know if expectations have been risen in, in the UK that things are going to return to normal fairly quickly. I mean, it transpires today that something that we've more or less all known for a while that our death rate is the highest in Europe and yet people have kind of got a sense that people are going to this is all going to start returning to normal in June you know I'm hearing that education schools are looking to open in June I think yours is is that it's not really going to start fully opening until the next academic year in September and given the the huge difference between the United Kingdom and Ireland in terms of deaths and how well you have managed it. I think yours is very clearly set out. Um, I worry because I don't have confidence in our government. I don't think people do have confidence in them. I don't think many people do. And I just, I'm fearful as to what they will present on Sunday. Um, is it going to be safe enough? Because I really don't feel that our government is safe they certainly haven't operated in a very safe way, which has led to this huge number of deaths in the UK. Yeah, yeah, known the government of the UK, sure they're slow to react now, they might be too fast to reopen, take a similar line the US are taking, and that's quite scary, isn't it? It is scary, it is scary. And people, you know, people have got that kind of, in the back of the mind, you, you hear people say, I don't feel it's ready to, uh, to be opened up yet. You know, I read a survey today of a quarter of the people who completed this survey was about parents in relation to not wanting their children to go back to school. No more than half of them didn't want them to go back to school before September. And a quarter of them who felt that actually homeschooling was the way forward and they're seriously now considering homeschooling as a serious option in their life for um, their own children because of this. Wow. So I think your your five phases are really clear. They're very well set out. You can work with them. You know, you've got good frameworks there. Obviously, the devil is in the detail 
with all of these things, but at least you'll be know what you'll be doing in May, then June, then July, August. You've got five phases. Yeah. And I suppose when you look at it, it looks like it's a cautious plan as in, you know, it's not a very optimistic plan as in we're going to get back up and running as quickly as possible, but it's also not going to say like, oh, we'll be here by the end of December. I think it's somewhere in the middle of optimistic, but not too optimistic, um, which leaves room for improvement as in if the rates start dropping dramatically in the next two or three weeks, things will be probably brought forward to reopen. So I think the government have rethought about that. It looks like they've thought about that, which is good. But again, it is quite a lot. Like another four months of this is like another four months of this sort of lockdown. Is It's a bit worrying. I'm worried about it. I think it's crazy. I think like it's li- absolutely life changing. If your life hasn't changed already, um, it's going to be life changing by the time it's all over again. And I do worry the aftermath is just going to be a tsunami of problems. I don't think we're addressing everything, especially things like mental health, which we talked about in the first podcast. Uh, it's quite interesting to see a couple of things which just stand out to me. An Aer Lingus flight, I think, which happened on Monday from Belfast to London. I was a bit horrified to see how many people were on that plane. I know Aer Lingus have now said they're going to put on an additional five flights a day on that route to ensure that there is more social distancing. Mm. Um, But still concerning. So I guess this is where I say the devil is in the detail with a lot of these things is going to be tried and tested. I had what I thought was a socially distanced walk with a dear friend of mine on Sunday. And at times I became more anxious because I felt they were too near to me. Um, and I, I, I kept like having to then pull myself back. So I, I think there's, there's learning for all of us in this. Yeah, and I think one of the, I think one of the underlying things I'm trying to I'm trying to kind of still figure out in my head. It's not just that it's going to be so long to un you know for the, for the um, for it all to get back to normal, whatever normal will be. It's also maybe I I just think it was something about me. I don't know if I trust it. It all this depends on people. So maybe this is a personal thing for me. I can't. Some of you know like control issues or something, but I I don't know. We we depend on everybody or the major, vast majority of people working at this and making this work because if as josh said earlier if we if this doesn't happen and if we all don't do this then actually it's not going to work and so it's all out of it's out of individuals well it's all in our hands to, collectively but we all know probably have i've been out i've seen people who are not you know sticking to the to the arrangements and stuff but i think i think if there's a, if there's a big en masse if everybody thinks that this is all all back to normal now very quickly in the next two weeks something like that and you know we all want to get back and as somebody said there recently it's uh, it's harder to it's harder to to slow down a lockdown than it is, or to reopen a lockdown than it is to create one. As much as we don't like creating one, it's easier just to put in the rules. But actually, to gradually let it relax it is much harder experience. And you can see how that could be the case. And people in their heads will think once you start relaxing it, people will think it's all all up for grabs, and we can all go out and do whatever we want to do. And I think that just the desire to get back to normal could overtake. And then who knows? It could be back to square one again. Sorry, it's a bit fatalistic, but but it's there's a sense that maybe yeah, this is not this is not um this this is in the hands of all of us is what I'm saying. You know what I mean? This is not in in my hands or or government or somebody. This is in the hands of the populace. It's toll on people. I mean, the amount of people who were do, who have done okay up to now, who have now heard saying that they're finding it tough or stressful or they're very unhappy, or they really miss family and friends and find it difficult to cope. There's a whole range of issues there, but it is taking its toll. And at what stage does that become an issue in itself? 
I'm one of those people, Pat, and it's getting to that point where I'm thinking like, this is just getting to the point now where I'm just losing my faith in the whole lockdown. I see statistically it's working. I hope it's working. I want it to work faster, of course. But at the same time, I only have so many days that I can stay inside for this amount of time. At some point, a lockdown can't last as long. People are just going to lose their frustration with it. In the, in, in the United States, it lasts for about three weeks, four weeks. And now people are already out protesting have the restrictions lifted and get back to normality. In Ireland, people have done extremely well as a whole, as a collective. I think to stay, stay indoors, to kind of abide by the guidelines. But at some point, you can only control people for so long. It, it, time is going to run out for the government. I think if the longer they drag it out, the more frustrated people are going to become. And then you're just going to have people just out and about doing their thing as they always did. And then it's going to be unregulated, unmonitored. And it, the second wave could be even worse than the first wave. With the, the, it could, but I also think people are certainly. I get a sense within the UK, people are quite afraid and don't necessarily want a lockdown to end so soon. So there are some people who are quite thankful until they they see clear signs. Now this might be a UK thing, um, whereby the the viruses, the transmission rates are really really low, so people can feel safe to go out of their homes. I get a sense that people are more afraid to leave their homes now. I think people will will abide by yeah, lockdown. I can, yeah, I can say March and April, I, I was afraid to leave. I was very cautious. Leave. I didn't leave at all. Mm-hmm. Didn't leave the house, not even for a walk in weeks. Start going on the now, and now I'm just kind of over it. Don't wear a mask when I walk out, if I just walk out generally anymore, because I just, like, obviously I keep my distance from other people and all that, but I just don't wear a mask. At the start, I did, because I was so nervous about it. But I think I am just getting to that point where I'm just kind of getting fed up with it all. I'm still going to abide by the rules. I'm going to stay in when I need to. But at some point, how many people are going to feel like that? And then what number is the bad number where people just give up on it, walk out, start doing that thing, and suddenly the wave is worse. So I do think the government should be, I'm assuming they are, looking at every option to bring, to hurry this along, let's say, without like making it last till August. So I just hope things progress faster personally speaking of course well actually <clears throat> and as much as we've been saying there for me i thought if if everything was back to normal by august i would be very very surprised to be honest because i would have thought we were talking end of the year for a lot of stuff actually you know what i mean um i know apart from colleges and all that i'm talking about air travel i'm talking about all that stuff i would have thought towards the end of the year maybe into next year well that's all the stuff that's coming across to us on the news that it's going to be a year before you get a vaccine and nothing can be really fully back to normal until we have that yeah. so the social distancing, the isolation will still remain an element for a lot of people for probably well past August, actually. Do you know what I mean? Um, and social contact to new degrees and that. But So to me, if, if everything could be back to... I know August is a long time, but if August could, could be and it worked, I think that would be a serious success. Yeah, and I, you could say, that, like we said, September. You know, you could say the same thing there. You know, well, if it's all done by September, that'd be a great success. Probably even October, if a person, you know, to, <laughs> you know, you just keep, if you're just told that the success yeah. would be at this date, you'd be like, okay, that's fine, that's acceptable. Because mm-hmm. at least you know it's going to end. The problem is we don't the know. Plan, the plan isn't that things will be back to normal by August. The plan is that things will be open by yes, August. To a degree. There will still be huge restrictions in terms of social distancing. Mm. So while, you know, everything essentially will be open, um, there won't be crowds in pubs, there won't be crowds in restaurants or anywhere, anything like that. There won't be crowds even at football or Gaelic football or whatever. You know, there will be, let's say, stadiums will be half full or those sort of things. I don't know. 
So it's not going to be back to normal until we get a vaccine. But yeah, I was just reading the hotels will be open, but the hotel bars won't be. Yeah. Yeah. And, he, and there'll be no standing at the bar, no standing at the bar for a drink. You have to sit. Yeah. It'll only be served. Oh, so a lot of bars probably won't be able to open because a lot of bars will say, unless they're full, they don't make money. You know, so I, I don't know, even at that level of, of social distancing, I don't know if they can even do that or survive at that level, you know, but it's a start. I was talking to a friend in Spain today in New York, and she said that um, businesses are allowed to reopen there, which said most of them have not reopened. Uh, you're limited in terms of going out to the morning and the evening time. And uh, she said the business then it's not worth their while because yeah. there is the business available. But in a day, it's like, if you think of it, even with the whole pubs and situation, like, even going on a night out now, how are you, and for people to get the Lewis in, are they going to put more Lewises on now because they need to keep the social distancing? Will there be more buses running because a lot of the seats will be blocked off now because of the social distancing? You haven't heard, like, there's not much talk in relation to that. And it's something, though, I think, just picking up what Alan was saying earlier on, is the only reason I find that the new guidelines and so on didn't affect me as much or make me kind of feel a bit sad or a bit like I'm trapped is because I always had it in my mind it would be Christmas or the new year by the time we'd be back up on. Like, I still think it's madness that they're saying pubs could be, po could be possibly opened in August. Mm -hmm. I can see that happening. I know people are pushing for it, but for me, I was really imagining the new year before even places began to reopen. Yeah. Suppose even when you look at countries around the world who are, let's say, similar population, New Zealand is the greatest example. After uh, Prime Minister of New Zealand said today that Ireland's taken a very long approach to the whole, you know, lifting the restriction compared to New Zealand, which are trying to approach it in a more a faster way, although their infections and deaths have been greatly limited because of the action they took. Um, like, if, like, what could we copy from New Zealand going forward? Try to get us back working because she's obviously right. concerned that people will not be going back to work now for an extremely long time. That's a lot of people unemployed. That's them jobs probably just gone now completely. You know, it's it's one thing to be shut for a month. It's another thing to be shut for at this point. It's going to be six months. Yeah, be interesting though because I don't know the facts enough facts about New Zealand, but I understood their their death rate is down to zero or low. Or does anybody know? On a daily rate, yeah, they they're flagging in like zero deaths, aren't they? Yeah, yeah so, so they're, they're, they are a good bit ahead of us, John. Do you know what I mean? So I'm thinking maybe maybe they've got to a point where they have they have significant success, you know. And I, I think I, I think they've less um, they had less positive cases anyway. Maybe we'd higher amount of cases. So just could be difference in circumstance. And then you wonder how much the difference between having a set of border, you know, between north and south, and two jurisdictions and two ways of dealing with it. Now I know they've the Irish government and um, the assembly in the north have come up with ways of working together there's a certain set of protocols they've worked on but essentially there's still two ways of working and addressing the issue so um maybe that's a risk for us that if we change one thing and they don't in the north and there's a free movement of people as we heard last weekend so many northern visitors coming down to the south because they can they can travel and the guards have no control over that going to Donegal and and all of that so there's kind of there are some elements that that's not within our control, whereas New Zealand is one entity and maybe they control. Because I know that they stopped in incoming flights into New Zealand. Now, I heard today that they're looking at some arrangement with Australia yeah. just to have flights between them and Australia and stuff. So they, they seem to have a bit more control over, over some aspects of their situation.
Yeah, I suppose yeah, that's one thing to think about is the fact that we, it is a shared island here, and that's always been the the talk since the beginning of a two different set of rules, north and south, no border man, no hard line border. Um, so it is, I suppose it does complicate things. I was interested in your opinion on, um, I saw that Arlene Foster and Michelle O'Neill came out yesterday uh, complaining that uh, the Irish government hadn't uh, briefed them before Friday on the changes here, where they kind of expected uh, to be briefed beforehand on what the government was doing here as it affects the whole island. I hadn't heard that part, but that, to me that would make sense that they would be, given I thought there was a bit of cooperation between the two. So I, I, just, I hadn't heard that, no. It was on Northern Ireland News last night. They were both on saying they felt they should have been briefed beforehand because what happens down here affects the North. Yeah. Um, which I thought was interesting, especially for Arlene Foster, you know. Um, I, I think there's the, the thing, there's always fear of, you know, obviously Leo wants to be the first to share with people what the plans are. So therefore, the more people they brief beforehand, the more likely what there is of, uh, you know, a leak of information. But yeah, I think it does affect Northern Ireland, or maybe, mm. you know, something that could have been at, at some level, or even briefed half an hour beforehand or a little beforehand. Yeah. So, but they're not receiving it the same as everyone else. And what would be the protocol and all that, Pat, normally? Um, I, don't, I don't necessarily know. I don't know because you've got, um, you know, one of the things covered maybe by the North-South Ministerial um, Council might be health and that sort of thing. So therefore, there might be a mechanism there for sharing that sort of thing. Or certainly, you would imagine, you know, that maybe... Leo or, or someone in his office could contact someone senior in the DUP and in Finn Fein in Northern Ireland. But also then, you know, did Mary Lou know about it? Because why would Michelle O'Neill be briefed before Mary Lou MacDonald? Mm. So I think there's all sorts of, uh, yeah, very, very difficult to balance all those things. Yeah. And apart from not being brief, what is the main parts that they're disgruntled about? What is it like? Is that they just weren't told or that we're just now planning our own route of exit while they're still kind of in lockdown. It's quite interesting from the United Kingdom. So, you know, there's, there's differences between the, the four countries of the United Kingdom. So Scotland, we're talking today, um, they seem to have a bit of a different view to the United Kingdom government, the Welsh government. I think the Welsh government are trying to say, you know, can we not do this we're all in this together, so our timings are all coordinated and are in line. Um, Scotland are saying that they will they will not hesitate to move at a slower pace to the United Kingdom government. So I, I think you, you're tied up again with the Northern Ireland Assembly, how that, that, how that works with the United Kingdom government. So there's probably lots of politics within politics. With all these things, it's devil in the detail, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. I don't think it would have been made that much difference apart from maybe Arlene Foster or Michelle O'Neill been able to say, yes, we are, we were made aware of what the government is planning and we, we will be taking that into account when we're making our plans for Northern Ireland. Yeah, because there was no immediate changes. That, like, if they were making massive change the day after, you'd yeah. say they would be right, really right to be very angry. I'd say, but they haven't, there hasn't been, like all we were saying in two weeks' time, there's going to be changes. Um, or three weeks time actually significant changes that's it you know apart from the extension of the distance from three from two to five kilometers today yeah exactly yeah. maybe they are pushing out the 18th of may to see if the uk 
finally starts to bring its cases down by a small bit of advice for people to get through their day what would you recommend they do from your experience yeah be kind to yourself uh treat yourself um i would always say pray as well that often helps Alan? That's, i'd say yeah look take take breaks during the day when you can if you're working and it's a bit stressy i would say a little bit like pack ground yourself whether that's a prayer or whether that's a bit of meditation something something just to ground yourself a little bit it's good practice to develop damien i think about being compassionate to yourself definitely about being compassionate do five things a day for your mental health make connections with people learn something new just take a what notice of things around you be active great josh i think my biggest tip or advice would be just don't compare yourself to someone else because we all see it people at working out or people cooking meals or spending time with their families and we, we some people just can't do it so i think the only way to keep yourself sane and stay positive is you're on this journey yourself so follow what makes you feel happy not what you see other people doing yeah and my advice would be just maybe start doing that thing you've always wanted to do you never had time for and this is, a, this is no better time than now, especially all the time we have at home. And I think that will bring to the end today's podcast. Everybody, just stay safe. <laughs>